0: guys and help again. Just had a quick wardrobe change and I'm back. Uh, what a great passage. Uh, Genesis, well, the end of Genesis 1 and the start of Genesis 2, uh, but it's all about creation, isn't it? And uh, the, the thing we're talking about today as we look at this is work and rest. You can see both those there as God worked and God rested. Uh, and we're going to be looking at that today uh, as we go through the Bible. Um, and, and really, work and rest are a massive part of life. Of course, work is a big part of life. Um, I found this from a a research company called McCrindle. They've done some research on work, and it turns out that people that are leaving school these days will have 18 jobs across six careers. Crazy, right? That's what you look forward to. How cool. Um, And you'll spend about a third of your waking hours working, okay? About 33% of your life working. Uh, You'll also spend about uh, more than half the years of your life at work. Don't want to to sort of depress you at the start of this sermon, but that's a lot of work in our lives. Uh, And then what about rest? Right, rest is also a big part of life. I think when we think about rest, uh, we sort of don't think about it, you know, biblically. We think about it uh, just as the world might, as like leisure, you know, time off. Um, And so I looked up the top five leisure activities for Gen Y, Gen Z. Tell me if this is true. Uh, Number one, listening to music. No? No? Not many nods. Number two, reading. And that's Andy's favourite and Darcy, good. Uh, Watching TV or probably Netflix, things like that. Um, Connecting with friends. And this one surprised me, exercise. That's cool. That's healthy. Uh, They they are the top leisure activities of, of people these days. As we think about work and rest, there's really there's two extremes of these things, right? There's, there's the extreme of work with the workaholic that just lives to work and loves it. Then there's probably the extreme of rest, which is the person who is just working to live, basically. That's the person who lives for the weekend. Uh, so there's those two extremes. But I think most of us, as we think about these things, we're trying to sort of be somewhere in between. We're trying to strike a really good balance between those two things. Um, And look, we're all in different places when it comes to, you know, where we're at in work, in our lives. Uh, Some of us are about to sort of embark upon that. uh, And, you know, it's work to be at school, but there's more ahead of you. Some of us are right in the middle of it in in our lives, been working for a long time, probably still got a while to go. Uh, Others maybe are getting toward the end. Um, You know, Judy had her little retirement Thanksgiving last week, so she's getting toward the the other end of it. Uh, But wherever we are... Uh, work and rest, big part of life. And so the question is, what is shaping the way you think about work and rest? Uh, What is shaping what you think about it? Is the world shaping what you think about those things? Uh, Is it your boss who shapes how you think about it? Uh, Maybe your parents, the family you grew up in, shapes that. Or it might just be you, you know, and the blog that you read about it, or something like that. Uh, but as Christians, we really want the Word of God to be shaping what we think about work and rest. Uh, and this passage, and, and Genesis generally, has a lot to tell us about it. Uh, Genesis shows us that work and rest are actually part of a created order, uh, something that God has built into creation. He worked six days and he rested on the seventh. And, and that wasn't just how long it took, like it just takes six days to create a universe, and so you just rest on the seventh. Now, God, what he was doing was building a pattern into creation. Uh, he did that on purpose. And it's funny how, uh, you know, over the centuries, people have tried to kind of replace God's order and do it their own way. Uh, you probably remember the French Revolution in 1793. We all remember that, don't we? Uh, they tried to enforce a 10-day work week. So you work nine, work eight and a half days, rest one and a half, and it's kind of got the same ratio as the six to one, but what they found was it just didn't work. It just didn't work for people. I read an article that said during these years, French society saw an increase in injuries, exhaustion, illness, and, and this is a funny one, not that funny, but uh, a lot of their work animals died at an astounding rate because they were being worked too hard. You see, what the Bible tells is that God made the world, God knows how we are to work, And our job as his creatures is to recognise that and to live in step with the way that he has made us. Like if you had a problem with your car, wanted to fix it, you'd read the car manual. Uh, Likewise, when you want to sort of fix ourselves or understand how we work, uh, we read the Bible. Uh, It is about us and how we work. And so what the Bible does, is really gives us this framework for understanding work and Rest. So we can understand the proper place of those things in our life. So we're going to be looking at the Bible's story on work and rest tonight under these headings that are coming up. Uh, that I'm going to look at work and rest, created by God, disordered by the fall, redeemed through Christ. And then we'll look, step back and sort of think, well, how do we apply that to our lives uh, in hope? Okay, so you've got your Bibles there. Have them open Genesis 2. Be good to have a look at that. We'll be jumping forward through the Bible as well. And they'll be on the screen. So first, let's look at our work and rest created by God. So, so far in Genesis, what has been happening? God has been working. He's created everything from nothing. On the sixth day, he created man and woman in his image. And what did he create them for? To work, right? To to rule over creation and to relate to one another and to God. And so they were created there to work. And now uh, comes the seventh day, Uh, the climax of creation. Have a look, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Uh, You see there, why did God rest? Because he'd finished the work that he was doing. Right? It wasn't because he was tired Okay, we get tired when we work. Uh, I put this drain pipe in my garden recently and um, I don't do much physical labor these days or any kind of physical work. So I was totally exhausted after that. I was just on the lounge, comatose for the afternoon. Andy's laughing because she just knows what I was like. Uh, We get tired when we work, but God does not get tired. He did not have to rest uh, because he was exhausted. And so why did God rest? Well, he rested on purpose. Uh, He rested for a reason. You see, God had this day in his mind when he started. He knew day seven would be the day of rest when he began. Uh, This was always going to be the goal of creation. Uh, This is where things were heading when he started creating. And so Genesis chapter 2 verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God blessed this day and made it holy. Uh, Blessing means to to do good, to show favour, right? And that is when God shows favour, that is a good thing. And to make holy means that God is setting this day apart for himself, right? It is a special day. It is a holy day, right? That's where we get that word from, holiday. Um, And and why has God done this? Well, it's not for the day. So He doesn't really care about the day, uh, he's done it for himself and for those people that he has made. This is a day for them uh, to enjoy creation, to enjoy God, to enjoy relationship with him one another. Okay, it's the, it's the first holy day. And just like just like holidays, like don't we wish holidays would just go on forever? You know, you know when it's coming toward the end of like holidays and you're like, oh man, I got to get back to work or I got to go back to school and it's just like, Ugh, just make it last a bit longer. Right, we, we love the holidays. And it's the same with this. This state of holiness and blessedness of people with God, it would have kept going. Right, there's no end to the seventh day in Genesis, is there? Every other day has a, a beginning and an end. The day seven begins and does not end. Right, so it would have kept going except for what happened next uh, Genesis chapter 3 and the fall. All right, so then we go to work and rest is then disordered in the fall. So, like, we're going to come to this in Genesis 3 in a couple of weeks. uh, But just now, I just want to see how the fall disorders work and rest. Uh, It's a fall from that blessed holy state with God into sin as our first parents, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God. And we see that after the fall, work became hard uh, and rest was lost. And we see this in the judgment that God gives to Adam. We're going to read that. It's from Genesis three seventeen to 19. It's two slides, so we'll read it together. So this is God's judgment to Adam. Uh, to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Yeah, so not very happy in that, in that instance. Uh, work outside the garden after the fall was no longer joyful and, like, satisfying and productive. Uh, it was this anxious, painful toil for people. Right, it was thorns and thistles. You're expecting fruit, right? Mango, something nice, thorn and thistle. Okay, you not get what you're expected. And it's really repetitive. You can see there, it's just this kind of day after day after day, this sweat, this toil until the day you die. Right, that, is just, that is a depressing place to be. Right, that is Groundhog Day. So, what hope is there in this? What hope is there for people after the fall? We'll jump forward to Psalm 95. We read that uh, as well. And in Psalm 95, David is pointing God's people forward toward the hope of rest. All right, and so, when did David write Psalm 95? Think about the context. David wrote this when Israel was in the promised land. Okay, if you know anything about the promised land, it's kind of like another Garden of Eden, it is a place of rest. Right, it is this fertile, beautiful land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, that is a good thing, okay? Milk and honey, it's showing us the goodness of the land. And they also had rest from all their enemies. So all they'd conquered all their enemies. And they had rest from there. And so they were at this kind of rest. And David writes this psalm saying, even though we're at rest, this is not it. This is not the rest that we lost at the fall. Uh, that is still to come. And so David warns God's people and he says, be careful not to disobey God because if you disobey God, you're going to fail to enter his rest in the future. There is a future rest coming for God's people and David is pointing us forward to that. And so then in the New Testament, as we even jump forward to the New Testament, uh, the author to the Hebrews picks up what David is saying in Psalm 95 and he makes the link for us. So here's that that link we've been talking about. Uh, He says, if Joshua had given them rest, talking about the promised land, then God would not have spoken about another day. Therefore, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So if, if that was it, if that rest in the promised land was it, there would be no future rest. But David says, no, there is a future rest. And the author of Hebrews picks it up. And so what is that rest we're looking forward to? Well, it's the, it's the end of that anxious, painful toil, that meaningless toil in life. And it's the ultimate rest of being in the presence of God, blessed and holy state with him. David looks forward to that, but Jesus brings that for us. And so now we're going to look here at the work and rest that is redeemed through Christ. So what do we know about Jesus? Uh, When he came to earth, what did he do? He was a worker. Jesus was a carpenter, like his father, worked with his hands. Um, But he also did another kind of work, uh, like his father in heaven. Uh, When he was about 30, he laid down the tools and and he went off to preach and teach the gospel. Um, And he did that on the way to the cross. And as Jesus was, was preaching and teaching, uh, he called himself this really interesting thing. He called himself Lord of the Sabbath. Right? And Sabbath is that Hebrew word for rest. So Jesus is saying, I am the Lord of God's rest. I'm the one who's in charge of that. Right? If you ever want to get yourself into trouble with the Jewish authorities, I suggest that you don't. But if you ever wanted to, call yourself Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, that got Jesus into heaps of trouble. Uh, That is what uh, turned his enemies against him even more. Uh, So they wanted to kill him. But of course, that was the plan. And Jesus was the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus was the one who was able to redeem that which was lost. He did it through the cross. Jesus died for our sin. He took the curse of God upon himself. uh, And he satisfied that judgment. So it was taken away. And then Jesus rose again to bring God's blessing upon all who believe in him. And so Jesus, after he had risen, like God at creation, when God had finished his work, he rested. Uh, Jesus likewise had finished his work and he rested. He sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus is now at rest because his work is finished. And here's the great thing about Jesus at rest. Uh, He invites all of us now to join in his rest that is an invitation to everybody they can come and join him, have a look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28 probably one of my favourite verses in the Bible but Jesus says there come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest right? do, do you hear that invitation Jesus will give you rest if you come to him believing in him right? today if you hear this invitation don't harden your heart don't turn away from it Believe in Jesus, his finished work, his offer of forgiveness. Come to him and you will find rest for your soul. Right, if you're someone who is kind of feeling a bit restless in life, like you're just feeling like, what is my life about? Where is the meaning? Where's the purpose? Where's my identity? Like all those things you are longing for can be found through faith in Christ if you come to him. Jesus will give you rest soul rest, deep rest. Right, Jesus is the one who's opened the way back to the garden to bring us back into that blessed and holy state with God. And right, So we live now in this time where Jesus has finished his work and he gives us that invitation, but it's a time where we look forward to the promise. We look forward to the things Jesus has promised. It's a future rest. Uh, we live in the time between that. But the writers of the Bible really want us to be encouraged by what is to come. And so we read in Revelation, the end of the Bible, um, Jesus gives this vision to John to encourage God's people as we look forward to that rest. This is what is to come in the future for God's people. Uh, John writes, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labour for their deeds will follow them. That is what we're looking forward to, a rest from our labour, back into that blessed and holy state with God. That is what awaits God's people. So that's that's basically the Bible's story on work and rest in the brief kind of form. Begins a creation where God established that great pattern, runs through the Bible and to the new creation. And it's in that framework that we can understand work and rest today and given its proper place uh, in our lives. And so I'm going to think about now, how do we apply these things? How do we apply the framework to our lives? And so I've got a few things for us here to think about. Um, And the first one is uh, work, okay? As we think about work and think about rest, the first thing we're going to think about is is work. Uh, And so, look, we can say work is good. God created it before the fall. Uh, So work is a good thing. Uh, that's whether it's paid or unpaid, it doesn't not talking about that. it's it's all kinds of work that we do. Uh, that could be something like school uh, school is work, you are learning there or uni, uh, or if you're working in a job of course, or if you're doing that unpaid work at home, uh, or if you're into that retirement, there's still ways you can work and serve in retirement. And so it still applies to all of us. But I think here's probably one of the best things uh, about work. Uh, as a Christian is that you don't have to work to earn your place in God's rest. Uh, We already have a place in God's rest through Jesus given to us freely by his grace and so what does that mean for our work is is that we are free to work. We're free to do the works that God has given us to do uh, whatever that is, wherever we are Uh, and that is a beautiful thing to have freedom in your work. And so Whatever work you're doing, there's a few questions to ask as to whether it is kind of good work or maybe not great work. Uh, and so I've got three questions here for us to think about, and you'll have to apply them to your own situation. Uh, but the first one is uh, Does my work rule or steward creation in a way that glorifies God? Right, God made us to rule over his creation. Uh, am I doing that in my work? Am I doing works that build up and promote order? Uh, and, and sort of create beautiful things? Or am I doing things that kind of destroy and are, and are unhelpful? Um, you can think about that. And number two is, uh, does my work contribute to the good of others in the community? So God made us to relate to one another and to love one another. Uh, and so do you do works that grow the community, that bring people together? Are you doing things that are serving others, uh, serving the poor, serving the needy, uh, that are promoting uh, those good things in the community? And then, thirdly, third question to ask, and this is probably the most important of all this question: uh, Does my work help people come to faith in Christ? Right. This is this is making us think about the goal of creation. Um, you know, Jesus spoke about this a lot. Jesus spoke about what is most important in life and for us to focus on. Uh, one way that he said it was like this: uh, Jesus asked, "What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul?" Why right, do you think about someone who who gained the whole world by their works? They were just a great worker, did heaps of stuff, uh, and just gained you know fame, popularity, wealth, that kind of stuff. I, I thought of Elon. Is it Elon? Yeah, Elon Musk. Right? What's he doing right now? He just bought Twitter. Uh, he's flying rocket ships to Mars. Like this guy, if someone's gained the whole world, it's him. He's the richest man in the world. But Jesus says, What good is it if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? And uh, what he's saying is that uh, it means nothing. That means nothing if you don't believe in Jesus because your soul will be lost for eternity and all your works will come to nothing. And so it is so important for us to be asking, how is my work contributing to people coming to know Jesus? So we must prioritise that third kind of work uh, over all other kinds of work, that is people hearing the Gospel and believing, uh, because that is the work that lasts. Right, and how can you do that in your situation? I'm not saying let's everyone sort of quit their jobs and, and go into full time ministry. We're not saying that. Uh, we're just thinking, how do I contribute to people coming to know Jesus uh, in my situation? And there's two main ways there's the personal and there's the communal. So, personally, you can think about your relationships and how you're connecting with people and helping them come closer to Jesus to knowing Him. And there's also the communal aspect of it as we do that together. Uh, the way we talk about that here is we talk about being partners together. Uh, all the things in our vision book, partners in praying and giving and serving. All right, as we do that together, you know, whether you work at a job and then you're contributing giving to that, that's a way of partnering together so people can come to know Jesus. Uh, think about how does your work contribute uh, to that main work of people coming to know Jesus. Uh, but then, of course, life is not all about work. Uh, we also rest. Right? And, and I just want to say rest is much more than leisure. Okay? Biblical rest, more than leisure. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about here practically resting our bodies, taking a day off from work in the week. Um, and it doesn't have to be Sunday as well, just by the way. Uh, but it's just good for us to rest because God made us that way uh, and God gives us rest as a gift to be enjoyed uh, for refreshment and for enjoyment of God. And so rest is good for us. Uh, and, and really, I just want to talk about today how rest can actually be a way to grow our faith in Christ, using our rest to grow our faith in Christ. And so the first way we can do that, it's got two ways for us, is that rest is a great way to remind yourself that God rules and I don't. Right? God is the sovereign over all things. He's the creator of all things. I am not. Uh, God sustains all things by his power every single moment of every day. I don't. Uh, God governs all things according to the purpose of his good and perfect will. We don't do that. All right? God keeps the world running. If we have a day off to rest from work, the world will keep turning. Right, so take a rest, take a day off, and acknowledge God rules. Right, and that is even when you are busy. I love this verse from Scripture. I just found it. I thought I'd share it with you. Exodus thirty four Six days you shall labour, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the ploughing season and harvest, you must rest. Right, so even when the things are at their busiest or you can make the most money or just like you should, you know, I really want to work. No, no. Have your rest then as well. Acknowledge that God rules. Right, even when you have assignments due, still take time to rest. Even when you've got a sermon coming up and you just need to have another day of doing it, have a rest. Even when the house is just crazy messy, still take that rest. Uh, rest acknowledges God rules. I don't. It's a great way to remind ourselves of that. And secondly and finally, uh, when we rest, we remind ourselves of the goal of creation. Well, we remind ourselves of what Jesus has secured for us through the cross. Right? Resting is a day to stop, right? Just take a breath. I just uh, can we just take a breath, just breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth Ready? okay, that's good. Just take a breath, rest, and just enjoy what God has done for us through Christ, what He has promised for us in the future. like uh, this reminds me of like when I you know when i've like cut the grass and it's just looking beautiful and the garden all the weeds are out, and the gardens looking great um, I'll just go out there and just stand there for a bit and just look at the garden and just like just take it in and just enjoy it. And uh, the kids look at me like, well, Dad, what are you doing? You are embarrassing us out there in your pyjamas. Um, like, it's just, it's just, resting is just a time to just enjoy the things that God has done for us, uh, enjoy who he is, enjoy the world that he has made, enjoy the way he has made us. There's just so many things uh, just to rest and take a breath and give thanks to God about. And a day of rest is a good time to do that. All right, so life, work, rest... Uh, it's hard to think about these things. Work is hard. It's hard to think about how do I rest well. Uh, but really, the, the overall thing, and the thing I want you to remember is that there is so much more to life than work. Uh, that rest that Jesus has won for us and promises us, uh, that is something to shape the way we work and rest in this life until it comes. Uh, so use that framework. Apply it to your life. Uh, work and rest to the glory of God. Let's pray for those things now. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for, uh, Lord, telling us the way that you have made the world, uh, telling us the way that you have made us. And, Lord, we thank you that you have given us so much truth uh, for us to know and understand and apply to our lives. We thank you, above all things, that uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, for his death and resurrection, for his promise of rest, uh, that wonderful guarantee. Lord, I pray that uh, that we would believe that, that we would trust that, that we would hope in that wonderful future that you have promised us. And Lord, I pray that that would inspire us and motivate us uh, to work for your glory, uh, to do good things, uh, to help people come to know you. But Lord, also to rest, uh, knowing that you are God and there is no other. And the Lord Jesus has finished his work and we can delight ourselves in that. Uh, thank you for these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And uh, we pray in his name. Amen.